To God be the glory. Welcome back to another episode of How Long with me, Madison Long. Happy Friday, everyone. I hope you all had a wonderful and productive week. This week, I've been riding my new bike and I love it. I just got it a couple weeks ago and it is so nice. It's a cute little purple bike. (laughs) And if you know, you know, but I love it. It's great. But you guys, if I can be completely honest with you guys, I forgot how much work it took to ride a bike, especially going up a hill. When I first got on, I was feeling it, you know, I was getting into it and started going real fast. And then I wore myself out just going about maybe 500 feet. And while I was riding, God placed this message on my heart. He said, Maddie, you're in it for the long haul. And it made sense to me in the situation, you know, because riding up my bike up hills and stuff like that. But he kept speaking this message to me, the long haul. And it occurred to me that this message was applicable to my personal life also. So naturally, I made it the title of this episode, and here we are. But it was so good because as I rode my bike, I kept thinking of this message. As I trudged up hills and adjusted the gears on my bike, I had to continue to work my way up the hill. I don't know about you guys, but I love going down hills. It's so relaxing, and it makes me feel so loose and so free. For my bike riders out there, you know, I mean, do you feel like this too? And when I'm about to go down the hill, I feel so proud because I know all the work that I put in to get to the top took a whole lot of work, you know? I don't know about y'all, but I've experienced this feeling of accomplishment before in other instances of my life after my faith was tested. And I know many of you have goals or aspirations and have achieved so much already. It is important that you remember what you've done already so that when you go into something new, you go on with confidence and determination that you can make it out in life and in personal difficulty. Now, I'm not going to go on and on about staying on track and staying focused and believing in yourself because I know you've heard it before and and you will continue to. And it's important, but I've come to talk a little bit about the long haul that is the current condition of the Black community. And I also want to say this. I don't just talk about these issues because it's what's current and it's what's relevant, but I talk about these issues because it connects deeply with who I am. What do I mean by that? Let's get into it. Okay, let's see. Um, About middle school, let's start there. In middle school, I was not very confident. I was self-conscious about everything. I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to see me as somebody special. And I often felt like I should conform to the standards of others who didn't understand who I was. And then on top of all of that, I was what people like to call judgy. And you're probably wondering, Maddie, how could you be a self-conscious, judgy little girl all at the same time? Well, some people explain it like this. Hurt people hurt people, which is valid. But from my personal experience, I would describe it as a critic gone wild. I love to critique unconsciously, and I don't know what that was about, but I did it so much to the point where I was actually hurting myself and didn't even realize it. You see, I was one of those kids who had three or four teachers that took a liking to them, and for a sixth grade critic, I loved it. I loved being adored by teachers and being seen as someone special. However, they didn't see the critic in me. You know, they didn't see how I was picking apart other people. They saw my performance as a student and how engaged I was in the classroom. Because for those who don't know, I was, I mean, 
let's be honest, and still am one of those people who enjoy school. I know, weird. But you know what? You know what? Actually, I blame them because they boosted my head up. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But as a middle schooler, I, I really thought I had fans. But moving along, this self-conscious, judgy little girl had very few friends, as one could imagine. She had people she talked to in class and spent time with, but no one she really connected with on a personal level. And it made me upset with who I was. I didn't know if I should have been angry at the kids or at myself. It was an internal battle with myself and my identity. And while I attended a pretty diverse middle school, I was often characterized as the girl who, quote, acted white. I think I was seen this way because I, I mean, like I said, I was one of those kids who enjoyed school, hung around the teachers, had the healthy lunch, and wore clothes from Justice. And if you know Justice, then you know. When other kids who looked like me saw me, they were like, I guess to me, I felt the resentment. It was almost like their face said, you're not one of us. And as a result, I was bullied and picked on, but I'm not gonna sit here and act like I don't know what they meant by the whole acting white thing, because I do. I didn't appear to them as what it meant to be African-American and I accepted it. Why? Because I didn't know just as much as they did it. I didn't know that my self-conscious, judgy, passionate self was not only black, but it was me. You know, I wasn't proud to hold those toxic traits. That's not what I'm saying. But because I am I am inherently African-American, everything I do coincides with the experience of the skin that I'm in. And since I am older and had time to reflect on that experience, I see that these kids who bullied me had such a terrible understanding of what it meant to be African-American. As if African-American meant that the value of being smart or educated is not as important as having other qualities that are stereotyped of being African-American. I realized that at this age, I was being told what to believe. I was taught by school and my peers how to think. And as a result, my confidence was not very high. And as my peers resented me, I resented them. I started to think people were not worthy to be my friend because of how different I thought I was, according to them. I thought no one could get me the way I wanted them to get me. Can somebody tell me who I thought I was? Like, I thank God that I am not that sixth grade little girl anymore because her personality was very, very toxic. I mean, I wouldn't want to be friends with, well, wait, hold on. I would, but I would try to be her friend from a distance so that I could keep my sanity. You know what I mean? But like I said, I'm so glad, like the song says, I'm so glad <laughs> trouble don't last always. God has delivered me and has allowed me to come so far in terms of consciousness and confidence. I love myself and it is because of him. I love my height now. I've been short my entire life. I'm 5'2 and it feels like I have been my entire life, but I have accepted it and now I love it. I'm still working on things such as being self-conscious about what I look like, but while that is an internal battle I'm facing, I have enough confidence and resilience to not allow anyone else to say or do anything to make me look like I, I don't have a strong persona of myself or a strong identity of myself, because I do. I'm a human being. I still work on things just like everyone else. 
but I am definitely a work in progress. I feel like middle school Maddie was just lost. She, she just didn't know. I mean, not to make an excuse for myself or anything, but she just didn't know. But I think the biggest mistake she made was not creating the opportunity to learn about who she was. She focused on what she wasn't. She focused on who was popular and did what they did and didn't do. She never took the time to just <clears throat> be Maddie. And I hope that you take this. If you don't get anything from this episode, get this. Focus on you. Focus on your peace. And it's not achieved by simply getting to a certain point in life. It's about taking the power back in your life and not letting the situations of life overcome you and overtake you. You know, it's about being in control of who you are and maintaining your peace and maintaining your happiness. But back to the whole race thing, you know, I struggled with identity because of how I was, I would, I was always received of, you know, you act white and that sort of thing. Or why do you talk like that? Or why do you do, you know, why do you do things that you do? And they would always attribute who I was to being quote white. So I want to talk a little bit about that now and how I overcame it. And I share my story with the hopes of helping someone else who may be going through a similar situation or has maybe been through it, but maybe trying to figure out where to go from here. I never thought being at a predominantly Caucasian high school in a predominantly Caucasian society would cause me to want to know more about myself. You know, because you would think that kind of nurturing would kind of inspire me to want to act like them or want to be Caucasian or want to be white. But it actually did the opposite. It made me want to know more about myself. And it's funny because you would think it would have the opposite effect, like I said, but it didn't. I love history, right? And I would always look forward to history classes because it was a chance for me to learn more about the world. In a Caucasian or a white world, it was always interesting for me to see what the world was like outside of this bubble. Subconsciously, I didn't realize this is why I liked history so much and why I wanted to know more about history. But, you know, as I got older, I realized that's why I loved it so much. And I realized, you know, it was because I was searching. I didn't know what I was searching for, but I was searching for myself. And then it was it was crazy because I kept being reaffirmed that, oh, this is how things were. This is how things were. This is how things were. And outside of me was like, oh, yeah, that, that happened a long time ago. That's not that doesn't affect me now. That could never, you know, that things have changed. But. There was always that part of me that didn't understand how things could just change so quickly. You know, when talking about slavery and Jim Crow and, you know, just the oppression of African-Americans, people made it seem like that it happened and it's not happening now. And that's just not the case. And I had to come to that realization as I started getting hints. The hints wouldn't necessarily be about the history of what, you know, my teachers were teaching about because, I mean, they're smart enough not to contradict themselves. But the hints would be in other aspects of school. Like, for example, in English, they would tell us every action has a reaction or every cause has an effect. And so I'm someone who likes to put things together and put things 
in the broader picture. And so when I would put these things together, when it involved history and understanding why things happen and why people are shifting away from things so quickly, I began to realize that there was something missing. And naturally, when there was something missing, I wanted to know where it was, or what happened to it. Fortunately, I had the wonderful opportunity to have my grandmother in my life every single day. She picked me up from the bus stops and she and I always had really productive conversations and I still talk to her about stuff about the state. Shout out to you, Grandma Gail, I love you. She was the first person to tell me that African-American people were kings and queens and princesses and princes. I learned history, valuable history from my grandmother. Now. I know teachers don't have all the answers and they don't have to and they have to stick to a curriculum. I get that. However, you can kind of read between the lines to see what has been edited. However, telling someone that they came from slaves is not reassuring to an African-American child who has a single mother or struggling with abuse or depression or whatever it might be. I had to learn that because, yes, my people endured slavery, but they were enslaved, not slaves. If you tell me, just put it this way, if you tell me I am a queen and then I am captured, I'm still a queen, I was just captured. Do you see my point? You see, from this angle, African-American people still have the power. But when you teach it from the angle that my people never had power and they were just awaiting their oppression, that portrays a totally different story. So when I was starting to figure out who I was and what I am a product of, I was enlightened because I had learned that the story that I have been given is not just altered, but rewritten. It's not even the same story anymore. Now, mind you, I learned this in high school, the beginning of high school. So all the years before then, I thought of my people or I knew my people as slaves, just slaves. My mindset began to change with this new information. I started thinking of my ancestors as royalty and not the servants of supposed royalty. Then, as I started to take on this way of thinking, I started trying to think out or figure out why my people are still treated as if they are enslaved. And just recently, I learned that the prison system, the national prison system, was not created until 1865. And if you know and have listened and kept up with my podcast, you know 1865 was the year the enslaved were free. Don't you think it's kind of convenient how the moment my people were freed, they were automatically recognized with yet again another symbol of captivity. The information that I've told you so far has not been learned in school. Now, imagine if I was Caucasian, Hispanic, Indian, Asian, anything but African American. Do you think I would know this information sooner or later? probably later, and I can only imagine what kind of toll that would have taken on my identity. Now, mind you, at the beginning of high school, I went to a predominantly Caucasian charter school. Didn't really think much of it. I was never called any racial slurs or was the center of racial sensitivity. However, I got the looks. You know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. One of the girls I tried to befriend would always stare at my hair while I talked. And I just never understood, like, I always thought, well, maybe she's listening, but I'm just thinking about it too much. But, and when I would talk to someone else next to me, I could still see her staring at my hair. It wasn't like she was looking at my eyes. She was looking at my hair because you could tell. 
And after a while, that started to get to me and and it made me feel like an alien. I would ask my mom to straighten my hair so that I could look like them subconsciously. And I did all of this unaware of the beauty and history behind my hair. I felt as though I had to become someone else to satisfy the comfort of the Caucasian bubble. And I was in this for two years, my freshman and, wow, yeah, my freshman and sophomore year. My junior year was the year I started to be more expressive about my blackness. I still wore my hair straight, but I was outspoken about race relations. I argued with my Caucasian peers, boys, of course, and even teachers. And it was hard, you know, being, you know, with the teacher's pet or whatever. It was hard to argue with the teacher because in my head, they were supposed to be the voice of reason. But I had to explain to my Caucasian teachers the issue with race in America. I learned the Negro National Anthem at church during this point of my life. And when I got to school, I would write the lyrics on the board while other kids drew weird pictures and wrote strange sentences. I mean, it has definitely been a journey. I'm still trekking along, still facing challenges in life. But at this point in my junior year, I was starting to understand the struggle. I was not as educated on it as much as I thought, but the desire was definitely now beginning to form. I've been talking forever, it seems like. I could go on and on, but I'm sparing you. But it is so hard to convey my life to you because it's from my perspective and I lived it, you know, and I want to allow you to hear it from a fresh perspective. So if some of the things I said didn't really make sense to you, I apologize, but just know I did my very best to try and explain it. However, next week I will give you a part two of the long haul because I didn't really get to the points that I really wanted to get to, believe it or not. I haven't gotten to the long haul as it relates to the Black community, what I came here to talk about. But you know what? It's okay because this is the space for me to open up and to be vulnerable to you all about where I've been and how I've coped. I hope what I said has shown you all how to be transparent and let go because it's difficult to be honest with yourself. It is, but you have to do it at some point in order to move on. You got to let go and let God. Let me know if you've heard that song before. But seriously, how long will you wait to allow yourself to open up about something you've been on the fence about? It has to be heavy, right? Carrying the burden all the time. If you don't want to say it, write it, sing it, do something with it. But Do it and let it go. It can't harm you anymore if you let it go. But I need you to release your hand. I need you to relax your fist and move forward. I'm telling you, watch what happens when you let go of your past. It'll change your life. Okay, y'all, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by DMing me on Instagram at Madison Long. That's three N's and two G's. I love you all so much. Thank you to all my friends and family and all my supporters out there who have listened listened in every week. Thank you so, so very much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you all for your feedback. And as always, be kind, be happy, and stay faithful. And don't forget to stay to the end to hear another quote.
Okay, so today I have for you guys a quote by Steve Maraholi, and it goes like this. We all make mistakes, have struggles, and even regret things in our past. But you are not your mistakes. You are not your struggles. And you are here now with the power to shape your day and your future. I love this quote, and I hope you do as well. Have a great day and be blessed.